Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Jacob, today joined by Don Riddle, designer of Ruins of Mars. Hi everybody, nice to be here. And Andrew Burkett, the owner and CEO, I guess, of Etheris Entertainment. Yeah, that is correct. So welcome guys, thank you for joining me on uh, this Thanks podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we're going to talk today about... Ruins of Mars, a game that uh, you designed, Don, and yep. it's being published on Kickstarter, or going to Kickstarter, and being published by uh, Etheris Entertainment. But before we jump into things about the game, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing. I'll, uh, I'll take it away. Uh, of course, I've been playing uh, prototypes uh, a lot. Um, yep. I'm always uh, working on the next thing, or the next two things, or the next three things. So I've got a game I'm pretty excited right now uh, about that I'm working on, a bigger game. But uh, from the stores, I have been playing, newer-wise, I've been playing uh, Walking in Burano. It's a little card game. I saw Rado do a run-through on it a month or so ago, and it just came out. Yeah. And you're trying to build these differently colored uh, houses in Burano through a card drafting selection. And then uh, when you finish a house, you get to take a gold card which are these tourists that are looking at the buildings and walking around in the streets and stuff. It's just a really cute, kind of a, a, a light, fun little thing. Really pretty mm-hmm. art and everything, really nice. And I like that, but the thing I'm really excited about that I've been playing mm-hmm. a ton of is Cartographers from uh, the from that same, I forget the name of the company that does the uh, role player game. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their roll and write. It's not really a roll and write, though, because it's no dice, which is funny because they're here, they're known for their dice game, and then they actually put out a roll and write that uses cards. <laughs> but it's so solid. It is currently my favorite role, right? It's better than Gosh and Clever. It's better than Welcome To. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best out there right now. It's And the biggest reason is because there's so much variability. The, mm-hmm. You score these. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about it, but you're drawing things on a map. You're a cartographer and you're drawing these things out on a map. These shapes like uh, polyominoes yeah. and uh, various terrain types. And okay. you have these scoring cards that care, and but they care in different seasons, different ones care. And the thing is, mm. is that the scoring cards, is a huge stack of them, and then they can come out in any order. So sometimes some games you care about this at the start of the game, other games you care about this at the start of the game. There's just a ton of variety. And then there's this one thing, and I want to speak to this real mm-hmm. quick before I pass it on, because Go for it. when I first heard about this game, the one thing I was worried about were there, there's these monsters that come out of the uh, cards that flip over to tell you what you can draw that turn. Mm-hmm. And when the monsters happen, you have to switch your sheets with the person to your left, and mm-hmm. they get to draw on your sheet, this monster, to try to, to, try mm-hmm. to confound your strategy. I thought, man, that's that's going to feel really weird and strange and it's going to feel mean and stuff like that. None of that. I love the monsters. I was really surprised by how much I love the fact that these monsters, because it really means that you're trying to put together this strategy. Yes, they confound it, but that just gives you more to puzzle over. And it's yeah. just a, it's just a nice, uh, a really nice part of the game. And it, and it also is this neat interaction with your fellow players. Cause you can kind of like, Oh no, I see what you're going to do. And you're looking over like, will they see that perfect spot that I really don't mm-hmm. want them to do? It's really neat. Uh, I love it. It's cartographers is a fantastic game. That's why that I sounds playing. fascinating. I've seen some things on, on Facebook about it, like some ads and that kind of it's thing. Really good. Know too much it's really It's like tiny it. towns. I think it's better than tiny towns actually. Yeah. 
Because it does a lot of the same stuff that Tiny Towns does, but I think it does it better. Uh, yeah, I think that that's fascinating, especially since a lot of role and rights are so you don't really interact with other people. Mm-hmm. The fact right. that you have this little bit of interaction. And it really is, works. Is, yeah. Yeah. So that that's fascinating. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I actually, I'm friends with Glenn Flaherty of Board Games of Bourbon. He does a lot of roll and write stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely oh, see I'll if right he, he's already out. gotten that one. How about you, Andrew? What you been playing? I haven't been playing too much. <laughs> I've, I've been quite busy working yeah, full you know. time and, you know, running a little company and stuff. But I, I, I played Ruins of Mars, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've been playing Ruins of Mars and uh, a lot of solo games. So I, I played Intel recently from Fisher Heaton Games. They have a solo expansion. It was a two-player only game, and then they added mm. a solo variant. Other than that, I've been uh, reading a lot of comic books, so, so less on the board game side. I just haven't really had my group together for a few months now and uh, need to kind of get back into it. But until then, yeah. I've just been playing solo games or reading comic books. So. Alrighty, what what's Intel? What what kind of game is that? Uh, it's an abstract game where essentially you're trying to crack a firewall. And so Fisher mm. Heaton is a smaller publisher, uh, and they do a lot of these abstract games. So they're doing, I think, two more on Kickstarter at, in the same Kickstarter coming mm-hmm. up very shortly. I don't know. It's it's in the next. few tangled and wake that is those correct. are the okay. two new ones yeah yeah but but in, intel's a cool little game and i liked the solo variant so that's awesome i recently played i think this is my first time actually playing a solo variant of a game and i played edge of darkness and oh what did you think of that i got a little bit of a mixed feelings on it because i think that the ideas behind it are amazing mm-hmm. uh, i really like the card crafting system mystic veil is one of my favorite games of all time so I was really into that and I liked the way that you can interact with some of the other things like you will have certain cards that you use that you either have to pay the other players to use them or you have to after you use them you then have to discard them into other players guild halls so they can use them next turn yeah. and I think that that mechanic is really really interesting just being able to you know either do that defensively offensively that kind of thing where it's like own uh, like you know the balance between having to take this card and like, you know this is really useful for me i have to pay for all these different things but i'm still going to get a benefit versus you know taking a card and just discarding it without paying it or using it at all just to clog up the other players right pile so they can't draw anything useful yeah i've heard i've heard mixed things about mm-hmm. about it i actually when i saw it on kickstarter and was like thinking about, do I want that? I, I had kind of mixed reactions just from the get-go. I was worried about a yeah. few elements of it. I feel like that system, the the mm-hmm. uh, card system that they have there is fantastic. Yeah. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. But I really haven't, I didn't love Mystic Veil. I liked Mystic Veil. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. And I'm not loving what I'm hearing about Edge of Darkness. I really feel like there there's a potential game. There's another game there. Maybe it'll be their third one that's going to yeah. knock it out of the park and really be able to use that system of those mm-hmm. uh, transparent cards. Um, and I think something like that is almost in between Mystic Veil vale and Edge of Darkness because yeah. Edge of Darkness, I think, has a lot more of the player interaction and a lot more of like just, you know, working against like the other players. Mystic Veil vale can be a very solo-ish kind of, you know, deck yeah. building experience. Yeah. I do think that uh, I haven't played it, but one of the expansions I'm really interested in to bring it to table is the latest Mystic Veil vale expansion, I think Twilight Garden which has a lot more actual elements of like 
messing with other players directly. Mm-hmm. That could be good. It could be bad. How they, depending on how they implement it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I do think that the base game of Mystic Veil vale is is good. I think that it needs at least one or two of the expansions in order to be like a great game. So. Yeah, I just never. I was never a fan of the counting the symbols and then the top card mm. thing. It's just too finicky, fiddly, or something. It, it can be. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't do it for me. But I, I like playing. Yeah. I'll play it if somebody drags it out. I'll play. Yeah. It. I think my favorite thing is just that it's my favorite deck builder because it I don't have to think too much about how many cards I have in my deck and like the percentage right. of like how I'm going to draw one or not the other and all that kind of stuff. So I still do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it may, just makes it easier. It's like, right. okay, the 20 cards in my deck, um, I know that this many have been t- taken out and this many are left. Yeah. What am I getting? Those cards. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think like my my biggest issue to get back to Edge of Darkness is that there's too much variability in the locations. The set of locations that I, that I played with was frankly a little bit boring, especially with the single player game. It just like the, the Tama beat me pretty badly. Mm. And it's it always like, boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's always more interesting when you're able to beat the Tama. Yeah. But, or at least feel um, like you have a chance against it. Yeah. I feel like it, it was, of course, you know, first game, still getting a hang of it. I'm looking forward to actually playing with people because I think that that'll make it a lot more interesting. But I think the game will really fluctuate based on which locations you have out because that determines what cards you have available. I feel that way about Legendary Marvel, that that deck Mm, builder. I mean, some of those bosses are just like, this is a joke. Who came up with this? There's no way, Mm -hmm. unless you had the perfect draw every turn of the game, that you could defeat some of these things. You know, it's it's it becomes not about skill and just about how lucky do you get against the AI or whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's I feel like for me, that's poor game design. Like you should always have a chance, a legitimate chance, you know, and like for me, when you're building a game like that, when you're working against an automa or automata or whatever, mm-hmm. there has to be in the design some measure of luck for the yeah. player. Like knowing that the player will get some luck, the the automata will get some luck. Like if you just make it super hard and don't mm-hmm. account for that, then you're not really giving the player an actual chance. That's just my take on it. I know people will disagree vehemently. I apologize uh, already for the comments that you <laughs> no might worries. receive I, I, from me saying that. It's just the way yeah. I feel about it. I mean, I, I would agree. I think that it's it definitely is really important for there to be at least some luck in there because they actually, in Edge of Darkness, it is that the Automa will almost pretty much always use the, your cards if it takes them, mm-hmm. meaning that so you can kind you. of manipulate them that way. Yeah, you can kind of manipulate them and you can also like, you know, know that they will pay you for your cards if you take them. Mm-hmm. But it, it was some of the other mechanics that like meant that I just didn't have enough cards of my own that it would take. So it never actually paid me. So that never actually helped me. And <laughs> it just got into like a downward spiral that, in that way. Well, may your future games be better. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I have a few friends of mine who absolutely swear by that game. So I'm looking forward to okay. playing with them and seeing... Yeah, and that's again. I haven't actually played Edge of Darkness. I would again mm-hmm. give it a chance if somebody brought it out in front of me. I would definitely play it. Yep. Um, so that it. box is very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then the cube mechanic and stuff. Well, I, the cube mechanic is, I think, one of the coolest things, just because really? it, 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 it does it does actually work very well. 
that's that's a big luck mechanic there it's just like you know are they all going to go into this one spot or yeah well see that's why i was yeah. asking that about it because it yeah. seems to me like that would actually be worse than the problems you're already talking about in the game i i liked it i think for the most part okay. especially because the stakes weren't that high like uh you would lose oh, for that idea. part of the game yeah so even if they attacked you it's nice to be able to attack them but if they attacked you by because your cubes came out or something like that then you only lose like one point so it's not a huge loss all, all in all it, it's an, i think a good part of the game but definitely very luck based have you played clank i haven't played clank that's play been clank. on my list of things to play you would like it i think i especially the space one I, clank in space I, is for me is the superior game hmm. but uh it's just kind of whatever flavor you like. If you like the dungeoneering, yeah. you get the original. But yeah, I I'll like have to. I definitely have to check that out. That's that's been on my list of just like games that like uh, so many people have told me to play. Alrighty, well, I think with that, uh, that's a quick look at what we've been playing. Alrighty, and welcome back. Now it's time to jump into talking a little bit about Ruins of Mars. So Ruins of Mars is coming to Kickstarter on September 24th. So if you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out, it is going to be live tomorrow. I would definitely check that out. Uh, you'll see the links in the description. But let's talk to Andrew and Don a bit about the game. So Andrew, let's start with you. And actually, let's start a little bit further back. Why don't you tell us a bit about your gamer story, how you got into board games, how you got into this whole industry in general. So uh, growing up, I didn't play a lot of board games, but I, I did play Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot. Mm, yeah. So I, I liked the trading card games. And then when I was in high school, I designed sort of a trading card-ish game about mm -hmm. automobiles. And okay. wrote a business plan and all that kind of stuff, and then didn't end up doing that. And what was the name of that thing? You had a really crazy name for that. It's called Whole Shot Heroes, but it's not a crazy name. It's <laughs> there's a there's a reason for it. Whole, Whole Shot, Shot Heroes. Yes. Well, I like alliterations. One, okay, right. done. Mm -hmm. Writer. All my games are alliterations. That's just a thing. He wanted then, me to change my name to Don Diddle, and I refused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so alliteration, that was one thing. And then the second thing, whole shot is a racing term for the first person who gets off the line in a drag race. So I like cars. I have a 79 Camaro Z28. I'm a big car guy. So I know car terms. Other people don't really realize car <laughs> terms as much. So they're like, what is this weird word I've never heard of? But car people will know what it means. Right. Exactly. You just need to capitalize on the, the car people board gamers in order to get, exactly. the, to get that. So the, the five people who play board games and like cars, me being one of <laughs> those right. five, will we'll get the name and we'll appreciate it. Fair enough. Okay, so Whole Shot Hero started it out. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then uh, that didn't work. I ran out of money. So I uh, ended up pivoting to cul-de-sac. It raised money on Kickstarter. I uh, was entering business plan competitions. I was still going to the University of Florida. I entered three years in a row. The first year I got nowhere. The second year I got in the top 16. And the third year I was able to place third. And so I just kept doing these competitions and raised money in order to start the business. Cool. We're kind of, that's where we are today. You've, you've done a few more successful campaigns on yeah, Kickstarter. managed a few more, met some local designers, realized other people had cool games and I should sign them too. 
Uh, mm-hmm. The second game was actually a game we licensed from Argentina called Mutant oh, Crops. That's cool. I was designing a second game for myself, Supernatural Socks, but I wanted more development time. So that's why Mutant Crops, I ended up putting on Kickstarter first because it was done and delayed Supernatural Socks, which was actually supposed to be the second game. Mm-hmm. Then Supernatural Socks ended up being the third game. And now we have uh, several games in the pipeline and the goal is to do three to four projects a year and not only board games are also doing comic books so we uh recently changed from atheris games to atheris entertainment to encompass the two divisions so we're doing atheris publishing to publish comics and novels as well as atheris games to publish our board games i'm a writer uh our slogan is a story for every game and a game for every story for atheris entertainment uh games and so I made a Theris Entertainment to kind of encompass those two brands so I can share more of my stories in other mediums. So I've written novels and I just started writing comic books and I'm also publishing other people's comic books and novels just like I did with board games. So That's awesome. And what about you, Don? What is your gamer story? How did you get into the hobby? Well, I got into the hobby uh, years ago. I mean... Uh, Magic the Gathering probably was the biggest thing. A friend taught me how to play that. I quickly mm-hmm. became addicted to playing it, and just uh, we played it all the time. This is whatever twenty number of years ago, whatever. Uh, yeah. Fallen Empires, I think, was the current <laughs> expansion out at the time, and uh, played that for a number of years. I would occasionally design cards for it for my friends, mm. things that were in jokes and stuff like that. And, and then I got onto forums where people were doing that. And, and I, so I did that for a while just for fun, but then, and I told this story before, but I entered a competition that wizards of the coast was having to um, hire somebody. Okay. It was actually, I actually was looking for this. I was like, I got need proof that this existed because it's not the great designer search, which you can find plenty of information about. It's a kind of a precursor yeah. to that where okay. they were looking for a member for their creative team. And so they put out this call for creative resumes or whatever. So I sent them something and uh, they liked it. And uh, I went to the next step and I did some stuff there. And, I, mm-hmm. and so uh, all in all, I was like top four for this job that like 600 people applied for or whatever. Dang, that's impressive. I didn't get it. Matt Cavada got it. I don't know if any magic uh, players that are listening will know that name. Mm-hmm. But I was set. I thought I had it. And um, my brain just never went back. I, I knew I had found where I wanted to be, and that was game design. And so I started to really try to design full games of my own then, yeah. which, of course, initially were card games. Mm-hmm. That's what I was familiar with. But then I started broadening my horizons, getting into the tabletop hobby, and started to become really interested in strategy games and mm-hmm. um, wanting to to see if I could um, develop one of those and uh so it's going on like 15 years that yeah. i've been um, part of the hobby and part of design world kind of both really hand in hand the entire way since mm-hmm. that initial thing and then um yeah so that's 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 me that's how i've been doing it awesome so do you both remember like your first hobby game that you've you've played what, what was the one that like triggered it and you you did magic the gathering but was there something that like changed your view from like oh card games to wait a minute strategy games are are pretty cool too i think i first played settlers of Catan, but i don't think that's really the game that did it the game that did it for mm-hmm. me that made me think about uh, strategy games uh, design was actually carcassonne carcassonne has this 
when you talk about elegance in gaming, people don't often think about Carcassonne, but it's super elegant. The idea mm-hmm. that you dig into a bag to take one tile and you have all the freedom in the world and you can put mm-hmm. it anywhere. You don't even really need to think about it too much on that first placement. Yeah. But as every tile you place in that game makes the puzzle larger for you and makes you have to think deeper. And so the way it just opens the doors wide open and you just come in and do whatever you want and then turn after turn have to get more and more thinking done. I, I just love that. It's so elegant. It's such you can anybody can sit down and start it. And by the end, they're master players because they've had they've had to go through this process of being educated by the game, how to play it. I mean, it's just a it's such a great game and such a beautiful simple idea and i think seeing that and, and and experiencing that made me go i wonder if i could do that for people i wonder if there's uh, a game i and, and the other thing about carcassonne is that at the time mm-hmm. it was i mean there's plenty of other tile games and stuff but it's it, it was pretty innovative too as to how it approached the tiles and that also impressed me i wanted to build an elegant experience that was also an innovation and so that's been a big part of me. I think of a lot of ideas for games all the time, but if I can't think of some innovative piece for that, I put it yeah. aside. Yeah. I mean, Carcassonne is definitely one of my most played games as well. I, I love it for pretty much the same reasons. It's it's one of those that like is perennially, like, whenever anyone mentions it to bring to table, I will 100% sit down for it. Draw a tile, place a tile. That's pretty yeah. much the rules of the game. And then you just have a few things about how you can or cannot place a tile and how you can or cannot place a meeple. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, it really is well done. What about you, Andrew? Well, I have never played that one. Mm. So maybe Don will change that. Get off this podcast, yeah, you heathen! Getting kicked off now. Uh, so I'm looking at it right now. So on, on, on my shelf right across from me is Smash Up. That would probably be the mm. first game because I think what was interesting was, like I said, I was designing more of like a trading card game was the first Mm -hmm. game but i wanted to go out to more board game events at the university of florida and i went and they were playing like three hour strategy games and for someone that didn't play any games that was pretty intimidating and so i played them but i didn't necessarily enjoy them as much as i do now i was like oh this kind of sucks i'm not good at this at all yeah so then they brought smash up and I actually felt like I had a chance that I didn't have to, you know, have an IQ of 140 to beat them. And then mm-hmm. once I started playing games more regularly, then I actually enjoy the Euro heavier games that they played with me originally, but they were definitely not gateway games. And I uh, feel like other people probably would have never started showing up again. I probably wouldn't have if I didn't want to start a board game company. You know, Smash Up, though, is a good, another good example of like a Carcassonne-type game where there's hidden depths there, though. Yeah, it's very easy to get into and play, but there's really hidden depths to the strategy. I mean, especially with all yeah. the expansion and stuff, there's there's some chunk, there's some crunchiness in, in Smash Up, actually. Yeah, and, and that's what I, I liked about it. I liked that it wasn't like... I didn't want a completely luck-based game, but I also didn't want to play a game that took an hour to teach. Right. And I was busy. I was going to school and working and trying to start a company. And I didn't always want to stay out for the whole events. I would play one or two games and leave. 
Mm-hmm. And then when they were playing these like three hour games, I was intimidated, like, all right, so I'm going to go home at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the buses <laughs> don't keep running at that point of time and I have to walk home. So yeah. there, there were there were other challenges other than just the game itself. So all those things brought, you know, together. I it was in my head. I was probably dealing with a million things, so I couldn't keep up with the strategy, even if I wanted to. I was like, "Oh crap! I just missed the last bus. <laughs> I have to walk three miles home." Did that really happen? Yeah, it happened. So oh, uh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, and in, in Gainesville, that like the buses are everything. I didn't have a car, so yep. it was it was not always fun. <laughs> Yeah, suffer for the for the love of board games, he right? Did. He did. Yeah. Suffered for it. Well, yeah. and then it, it made me like those games now. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. But at, at that point in time, maybe not so much. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've talked a little bit about like how you guys got here, let's talk about where here is, and that is Ruins of Mars. So, why don't you give me a little bit of a summary about the game? So, Ruins of Mars is a strategy game for two to four players that uh, I designed, and Andrew will be publishing. We got Kickstarter coming for it. It is about this idea that um, this is in the future, not too far mm-hmm. future, in the future a bit, and there have been these uh, this discovery below the surface of Mars, and that is of a metropolis that was uh, mm-hmm. a hub, a kind of a galactic hub, and it was home to many different civilizations like so the martians aren't just martians like there's yeah from other places too and stuff we don't really know where they're from that's the thing is that um, we mm-hmm. just find these ruins we don't know who these people are and we're we are trying to learn about the uh alien civilizations that inhabited this you know thousands of years ago uh this this uh ruin mm-hmm. and uh we then are also trying to use that knowledge that we get from studying them to replicate their technologies, right? So, because yeah. they had some pretty cool stuff going on, we don't know why they died or whatever. That's the sequel there. That's the yeah. Sequel. There we go. We find out. We maybe we go back in time. We're actually playing as the aliens, dude. I'm glad you're recording this. And yeah. then uh, we will then you know use these technologies or whatever. But anyway, we're in the mm-hmm. present or future, and yeah. um, they're all dead. And we are just trying to learn about them and use that knowledge to replicate their technologies for our advancement. We're various Mm -hmm. uh, rogues and and folks that have ended up on the planet by hook or by crook. Because, of course, there's corporations that are are going there to try to exploit it and stuff. And, you know, there may be a stowaway or professor, you know, that also is interested and manages to make their way to the planet uh, for their own purposes. That's really cool. I, I love this like alternate history of just like, you know, we go to Mars and we find like these uh, these aliens and it's like now we've got to, I believe some of the mechanics include translating the language, like, you know, yeah. trying to uh, like recreate their technology and like duplicate that and and find something that will save our own planet, Earth. Exactly. That is that is the eventual goal. I mean, mm-hmm. we never go back to Earth or anything, but that's the idea yeah. that we're trying to... Well, some of the characters maybe care about saving the Earth. Uh, some of the mm-hmm. characters may just want to make some, a quick buck, you know, using the technology. Yeah. So, really, uh, the different technologies are, you know, the different characters will want them for different reasons. Yeah. But that, I mean, admittedly, though, that story, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful one, and I love it. But it, it is kind of a, of a veneer over a, an abstracty type game, uh, and that's where the innovation, when I talked about wanting to innovate uh, comes in. So you're doing all this through this Rondell Mancala thing with these tiles. So I've talked before too, Mm -hmm. 
the game started out with cards at each of the sites on the planet. Yeah. And so you're going around the planet basically doing things. There's less mm -hmm. and there's less dangerous and more dangerous sites that you can visit. So you're trying to avoid the more dangerous sites, but sometimes you have to go there to get what you need. Yeah. And the design of the game started out with cards at each of these things that would tell you that things you could do at that site. Mm -hmm. But the problem was was that the there was so much you could do it was too much you could do, and the turns took forever, and the game dragged on. And unfortunately, as fun as it was, it just took too long, and it became not fun. So we searched around for a fix for that, and I had a, an idea where we took off the actions from the cards and put them on the sites and took the icons off the sites uh, and put them on the tiles uh, or cards, but then they yeah. became tiles. So now you're, shifting, you're just shifting these tiles amongst, and then it, it, it added a little more thematic sense to the game too because you're going to a site to do a specific thing that you would think you could do at that site yeah. um, and then you're using the icons basically tell you how strong that action that you're performing will be and in what area you can do it in because the sites the icons on the tiles are multi-use they mm -hmm. if you're doing this kind of action they do this if you're doing this kind of action they do this and so, yeah, so you're doing that game and the tiles shift around. And I, I kind of think of it as like the desert storms on Mars, you know, the, the shifting mm -hmm. sands kind of pushing these resources and things around the planet. And so these things get shifted as you play. Um, and then you're changing yeah. options, opportunities for the, the next player. Yeah, and, and uh, I was reading through the rule book earlier and I, I found that, that part really, really interesting. The fact that first at the beginning of your turn you have the option of being like hey one of these actions that like you know is either to the on the space to the right or to the left of me i want that so i'm gonna go right. ahead and take it yeah you can do a transfer yeah and and then like that empowers you know learning the language if you use that as as the action on your space or discovering some more technologies but i think the coolest part and this is like what you were talking about is the at the very end you just take all of those tiles together shuffle them up upside down and then put them back out, but in different places. So you start by taking one of them, placing it in the same the, uh, space that you're on right now, around the the uh, to the right, pretty much. The one and really important spaces. thing that that does mm -hmm. too is, yeah. it, as much as it's interesting that it changes these other sites, gives a little bit more to these other sites what they mm -hmm. have on them currently. The big important thing is that it brings down that action at that site down to one yeah. pile where you may have had three or four to interact with. Now that action has one to interact with. Now the actions um, can be performed, most actions can be performed at a couple different sites, so you can still get done what you want done. But by me taking that, I made sure you couldn't do that prime version of the action. I got it. Um, yeah. And maybe I even used it for something you wouldn't have used it for. But it, So there is a little bit where you can kind of control the other player's destinies a little bit. You can at least influence it. So the thing is, especially because of the more dangerous sites, uh, and by more dangerous, I mean radioactive, that's another part of like this alternate history or stuff. The, the surface of Mars, because of this disruption or whatever, some parts of it have become radioactive. And so you can, um, it's basically damage that you'll get that at the end of the game will cost you points. Mm -hmm. And so going to the site with the most tiles is not always the answer is not always the best thing to do. And that was really important when I was designing mm -hmm. this. Um, that was a really important element. I, I didn't want just it to be so obvious what you, so, you know, basically the game takes your turn for you if that's the case. If it's always yeah. the site with the most tiles is the best, 
then the game is taking its turns for you. But uh, it is not the case in this. Uh, because of the limits of where the actions are and what you might be needing to do at that moment, because of the radioactivity of the different sites, and because just the icons on the tiles may not be the ones that you uh, want to interact with at the time. Exactly. Definitely adds a lot of really cool player interaction, I think, in there. Just, you know, you could you could even hate take a action because like you want to mess this up because you see that someone's about to oh you definitely end up doing that at a certain point if if there's a site that's really loaded with a lot of good icons and it's not the action you want to do sometimes you will take it just because you can't leave it for the next guy yeah especially like you know if you want to take the one next to it or you know to the left of it and you're going to add another icon to it at the end of the round like Mm -hmm. nope i'm not doing that adds a little bit of a cool strategic flavor to it that you wouldn't necessarily see as much in just a regular action selection kind yeah, of game. and the game's pretty quick now like i said that was a that was a reason we took the cards out of the game mm-hmm. and put the tiles in and it worked it really quickened the pace of the game i'd say that with players that know how to play it you could probably get a four-player game done in an hour and a half maybe two hours but I, usually it doesn't go over an hour and a half from four and so yeah right in that sweet spot yeah no that sounds sounds like really good time for this kind of game so andrew question for you about uh, about this for ruins of mars or actually this could be for for both of you a bit how did you guys like decide to you know, work together to to do this game to do the kickstarter like what was that process like for for you guys so uh i'll, I'll start here on saying that so don and i met at a prototype convention in Orlando called Expedition Prototype Con. Mm-hmm. And so one of my other friends, Nick, uh, and I were playing games and we played one of Don's games that unfortunately for me was already signed by another publisher. And I was like, I love this game. I want it. <laughs> but he had already signed it with Quick Simple Fun Games. And so I, I was really interested in a lot of the mechanisms of it. And it used a Rondell-based system too. And so we became friends and we played a lot of his prototypes together. And then when he presented me Ruins of Mars, it was at Dice Tower Con in Orlando. And we were actually talking on another podcast. The creator of the cardboard, Harold Jack Eddie, was mm-hmm. one of the people that was there to see <laughs> Don pitch the game to me. So it was yeah. just kind of, he, he got that firsthand experience, which is funny. But. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw it, I was like, all right, this is a game I'm interested in. We have to play this. And we played it, and pretty much immediately, I think we played it at Cool Stuff Games in Maitland. And we were like, all right, let's get a contract. Yeah, we had been talking for a while. He had told me that he you know, he liked uh, the, uh, the Rise of the Knights game that we, uh, we mm-hmm. played, and that he was interested, and he was looking for something larger to do for uh, a theorist and and so I said, hey, I got, you know, I got a whole bunch of games. And I was, mm-hmm. the thing is, I was eager to work with Andrew after meeting with him and hang out with him. Yeah. Because, like, I think you're talking to a future big shot over here. I really do. Like, he's so motivated and he is so hardworking and he's willing to diversify. That's a big thing. Like, uh, so many people stick to one thing and then if that thing fails, they fail, right? So, but Andrew's got his thumbs on a lot of pies right now. I just really uh, was excited to work with him. I could see right away that he was somebody that was going somewhere. And so, I mean, hey, I hadn't had a game published yet. Uh, I had 
you know, a couple signed, but I hadn't mm-hmm. had anything published yet. And here's a chance to work with somebody that, like I said, I could see a future for and get in on the ground floor. And I, it's really been great. I mean, I really feel like that. I feel like I'm on the ground floor with, with a Theris and really hoping this Kickstarter does well so that we can do future projects together. Because uh, yeah. I really like working with Andrew. He's a fantastic guy. Um, like I said, he's, he's so hardworking and he's got his, he's got his sights aligned. You know, he knows where he's going. He knows what he's got to do to get there and he's willing to do it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome. So I'm really excited yeah. about Ruins and I'm excited to see the future of Atheris. Yeah, no, it, sound, it sounds really cool. And so with Ruins of Mars, did the theme or the mechanics come first? All right, everybody, settle in, get your drinks. Uh, this is where uh, Don just talks forever and ever and ever. Okay, uh, let's try to simplify this. So it was definitely the mechanics. Button Shy was taking submissions for, yeah, yeah. The, and they do these 18 card games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was trying to develop, and I actually developed like three or four. They said no to all of them. Oh, well. But one of them was this little game that used one of the cards, one of the 18 cards was a middle card, and so it was four sites, and you placed cards around it, and you used the Macala aspect to pick them up and replay them back to the board, which was innovative and cool. I thought they didn't so much. But I knew there was something there. It was interesting, and I started mm-hmm. developing, and I actually developed a, a second game uh, called Macala Island. Mm-hmm. That's a cool game in its own right, but didn't nothing really came of that. And then I said, okay, I want to do more. And I started, I was just thinking a lot about the game and about the card Mancala and eventually Runes of Mars came out of that. I started thinking about the, how the, the icons had been on the sites. And so yeah. I had these icons inside. I wanted them, I wanted them to do more than just be a thing. Just to, okay, yeah. I go there to get that resource. I wanted them to do something else. And then I had played Zulkin mm-hmm. and I really liked the religion tracks on that. So I said, maybe they could do something else in that way. And that's where I came up with the language tracks and the idea. And that's really where the game, when I kind of put all that together, that's really where the game came together and the idea of what it was. And and once I had that, I was like, man, not only do I have some interesting mechanics here, but I have a yeah. unique tale that can be told yeah. through. And that is hard to do. I mean, that is like, for me, it's one of my biggest struggles is the thematic parts of it. I do tend to be mechanical first. I, I have an idea mm-hmm. for uh, an interesting way to play a game. But then fitting a, a good theme onto that, that's really where we got to like thank the developers because uh, you know for all yeah. you know these games that we get a lot of that happens in development you got some really creative people on that end of things but here with ruins of mars i had actually came up with a really interesting story that fit mm-hmm. these mechanics that i was wanting to put together and so i think and i think that's what andrew can verify this or not but i think that's part of what intrigued him and wanted him to make this the, the game he was going to launch his heavier games with because of that, because that story was compelling right from the, the get-go. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a few things. One, I like I said, I, I really like Rondell's and thought it was an interesting take on it, but Don kind of touched on this. Originally, before the tiles, it was the card-based system, and I just always liked how that worked, um, and the tiles actually make it more seamless and, and better game ultimately than what it Mm -hmm. was but even in that that version of the game i was just so impressed with how enjoyable the game is and how much i wanted to win i was like (laughs) i want to play this more than published games that's a good thing let let's make this um and then the the theme definitely helped because i knew that 
I've seen obviously other Martian themed games, but mm-hmm. I thought that there would be something really unique that we could do with the artwork with it being kind of like a metropolis. So yeah. the box cover, we were able to have like, it looks like a bunch of stuff is being uncovered, but all of it's not uncovered yet. So some of them are, are more uncovered than others. Some are still kind of hidden away in the sand. Like they're yeah. still excavating. They're still trying to figure it out. And the artist, I have to give props to the artist. I don't, you have to say his name. Um, Ronan Lafleur. <laughs> he did this amazing job at tying the different technologies that you can mm-hmm. replicate. Each one of them, you can tell from the design of it and the, it relates to one of the alien cultures that you see being uncovered on the box. Yeah. So like, it's just really yeah, cool so how he was able to do that. that. That artist is Calder Moore. Yeah. He, so the artist who did the box cover, he came on the project and then oh, so that's he, even cooler. He wasn't yeah. even the same artist. It's not the same. It, artist. Oh man. Yeah. So cool. So that, that was what was incredible. The box co- cover we got done first and the artist got really busy and couldn't finish. Oh wow! And yeah. So I found another artist, and said, "Hey, I need you to match this art style exactly." And he did yeah, it yeah. like two an impressive. <laughs> I didn't even degree. know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Don didn't even know. It was so like instantly on the test piece. I was so impressed. I was like, "You got the project. Like this is yours." And then yeah. he was doing some of the characters, and he was three D rendering them, and. He wasn't as used to characters, so we ended up finding the guy who did the box cover had more availability, and he ended up doing the character design as well. But the thing is, we I have to say, it's not mm-hmm. just that he was able to copy that style so well, because he was, yeah. but like I said, the creativity in how he interpreted these things, which we had like a, a name crazy for names, and a little yeah. description, and, yeah. and they mm-hmm. actually look like what they're called, yeah. and they relate yeah. to these technology they relate to the civilizations on the box cover it just really Mm -hmm. makes the game feel put together he did he did an excellent job for sure so what is your favorite name on one of the cards oh geez Uh, you're gonna stump me oh i like actually okay i think nobel it's Hmm. it's nobel it's like a (laughs) no bell i mean it's a little pun or whatever but yeah i mean puns are great (laughs) the um, master module i mm-hmm. just think that's very evocative what, what is that what does that mean what does that do yeah um sounds powerful it is uh i don't know you're mm-hmm. you're, you're catching me at a, a loss here no worries Th- those both sound pretty cool what about you andrew you got do you have any now you're on the spot oh no i'm on the spot <laughs> uh I, so there's a psionic screwdriver oh that yeah okay that's a good one nice. that's, that one's fun <laughs> yep yeah, that's a good there's, one. There's a segment of the audience that will appreciate that one. Yep, that is uh, puns, references, all these kinds of things. Uh, they're pretty amazing. I, I love to get get those in games. It's always those little nods to something else. Like if I drew the psionic screwdriver, I would definitely be like, "I see what you did there." Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that we're going to start wrapping up here, but I'm going to end on one of our favorite questions to ask. Um, so this is one of our random questions, and we try to ask this on every interview that we do. Sweet. Okay. The uh, same question or totally random? Yes, we, we have the same question that we, I, I guess we're collecting data nowadays. So I have to, okay. like, you know, I have to aggregate it and see, you see you, like, you what, what is the, the answer to this. There's statistical analysis in there somewhere. Yeah. So what are your favorite donuts? Oh. 
I can crawlers, which unfortunately the mm -hmm. Dunkin' Donuts out here is always out of because I guess they must be pretty popular amongst other people too, yeah. or something. But I love that eggy taste to the crawler. I just love a crawler, and if I can't get a crawler, uh, does a um, what do they call that? The um, apple fritter does that count as a donut? Yeah, I'd count that. I think we had some other people answer that one as That's well. That's the one I would get second. All right. What about you, Andrew? One would be Boston cream, and it's not all only right. because my family is all from Massachusetts. That's not the reason. <laughs> it's a solid choice. May, 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 maybe that yeah. is the reason. Okay. Uh, uh, and then Bavarian cream I like as well. You just like but cream. You want cream. I, I like any donut, honestly. To be perfectly honest, I, I'll take anything. Yep. But... Those okay. Are, okay. But here's an important question. I think this is a question on everybody's mind is mm -hmm. which is superior, the Boston cream or the cream filled chocolate covered eclair, which Ooh. or long john sometimes they're called, right? Mm -hmm. Which one is the one? Eclairs are pretty good. I don't know. That's actually, I would probably pick, pick eclairs over Ooh, a Boston see, cream donut. Hmm. Sorry, Bostonites. Yeah, I think I would throw the donut away. All right, the French have this one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, Andrew uh, Burkett and Don Riddle, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and talking to us about Ruins of Mars. I'm really looking forward to it. So for all those of you out there, definitely check out the Kickstarter. It launches on September 24th, 2019. So... We'll have the link in the description as soon as it launches and you'll be able to go check that out. So yeah, thanks guys for joining us. Thank you. Thank thanks you so much. It's been fun.